Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 112, so 112, literally bringing down the hammer. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Steven as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. We had a little technical difficulties, but now everything is good, everything's set, and we're ready to bring down the hammer. Hopefully not onto me or onto the podcast, but onto other things that, you know, is worth bringing down the hammer on, like metal. <laughs> indeed but before we go into the topic of bending metal and hitting metal and just heavy metal well not the music genre but all the other type of metals who is steven well i am 22 years old i'm living in south carolina currently with my parents i was going to college before this whole coronavirus outbreak and right now i'm just kind of living life and enjoying it i've been blacksmithing since 2015 as a hobby and i have attempted to make it a a source of income. However, I've, I don't, I don't want to make it my first source of income. And that's why you're here now. Cause you want to talk about it as a hobby. So that's, this is why we're going to become friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, before we jump into the metal and blacksmithing, uh, where can people find you online, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or if you want to share that even, I don't know if you're starting a new Twitch stream soon. I don't know if where, where can people find you? So right now my Instagram handle is Trey period A-S-A-Y. That's T-R-E period A-S-A-Y. And YouTube is Stephen A-C, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-A-S-A-Y. And I have pictures and videos of some of my past projects. And I'll keep that updated as I continue to make new things. That's perfect. I'll put that in the description below so people can come check it out, show some support, show some love, you know, create another friendship. You know, we're allowed to have more than just one friend. Are, wait, we're, we are, right? We are? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, good, good. Good, good. Now I got to make more friends now. But anyways, it's not about my lack of friendships with everybody. Well, I have friends from this podcast. But anyways, it's all about you and blacksmithing. So before we get into the topic of how you got introduced to it, what is blacksmithing? So blacksmithing is the art and the work of shaping iron, particularly, and making tools, equipment, decorative objects. The reason it's called blacksmithing is because when iron and steel is heated up to the point where you can work it, once it cools back down, a black oxide layer is left on. And so it's called blacksmithing. Uh, it might also have something to do with getting covered in coal dust. And, uh, you know, you end up quite black in the face after hammering all day with the smoke and the dust. Yeah, probably not a good thing to inhale it. I would, I would just imagine. No, it's not. <laughs> you really don't want to inhale coal dust. <laughs> And before we started this conversation, you also do something called sword smithing, correct? Sword smithing, blade smithing. I have not actually made any swords. You could not pay me enough money to make something that big, but it is it is quite a separate craft making blades and tools. Sorry, I, yeah, I, I called it sword smithing, but you are correct. It's, it's it, it is blade smithing. See, I know nothing about this. This is why I need you here to explain everything to me. So. I get educated and look less like a fool when I say stupid stuff like swordsmithing. <laughs> and yes, you said you started this back in a few years ago or many years ago. So how did it just come to be? Did you see something on TV and said, wow, I'd love to give that a try or somebody in the family that does it or a friend or you just saw a piece of metal on the ground and said, you know what? I can bend that. I can make that into something. Well, you know, I think a lot of people have this sort of grassroots they want to get back to sort of an old-fashioned, handcrafted way of things. And so I sort of had that interest also from video games. You know, you, you make a sword in the game and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. How hard it would be to make stuff and forge stuff in real life. 
And then also on YouTube, there are YouTubers like Trollski and some other ones that would show off their bladesmithing and their, their videos were really nice, really well put together. And I just thought it was really cool. So when I was about 16 years old, I remember I walked up to my parents and I said, I think I want to be a bladesmith. See, most people, I think, start with the blacksmithing. I started with the bladesmithing. I just, I never had like a fixed blade knife of my own. And I'm like, that would be really cool to have something that I made myself. And um, so my dad went out and he bought me a piece of railroad track that was only about a foot long for an anvil. And he helped me make a forge. And I started forging with bags of charcoal from the hardware store that you'd use for cooking. And the first knife I made was just awful. It was terrible. I thought it was amazing. I was like, look, check out this thing I made. And I posted it to this forum, the Bladesmiths forum. And I'm getting all this feedback. Like, you know, it might be a little bit better if your blade had like a definitive starting and stopping point and, you know, like an actual handle. And I'm just like, whatever, whatever. (laughs) It's great. But, um, I started to take it more seriously and I'm like, you know, how hard it would be to make something that's actually high quality. And for me, it was always about making something that someone would actually appreciate and something that people would actually use. I never wanted to make like a wall ornament that was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of a cool art piece. I wanted to make things, I wanted to see if it could be like a practical art form. And over time, I've proven that to myself. For example, um, we built a shelf in my sister's room. And at first we were thinking we need some storage room in this, in this room. And they were going to build like something out of two by fours. I'm like, hold on. I have all the tools. I have some scrap metal. And it literally took me about an hour and maybe $5 worth of materials. And I made the brackets and we used scrap lumber and we built shelves that are super sturdy. And I'm like, you know, that's something that you just couldn't do unless you knew how to blacksmith. That's just not something that would be available. That sort of being able to just take an idea and make it into something practical and useful. I love how you just look at something. You're like, oh, that's a problem. But wait, I have a solution. I can fix it instead of just having somebody come in and fix it for you or just replacing it. I feel like if you see something, you're like, cool, this is broken, but I'll find a way to fix it. So you were talking about woodworking as well. Do you do a lot of woodworking mixed with your blacksmithing? So a lot of the woodworking is the knife handles because you start out with a block of wood and you have to sort of whittle it down and shape it to something that would feel good in the hands. You got to round it off. And the hardest part of making a good knife is just making sure everything is flat, fits together nicely. So a lot of the woodworking is just the handles. And that takes about as long as making the entire blade. Okay, on that note, how long does it usually take you to complete one project? Let's say a knife, for example. So the knife I'm holding in my hands, uh, I have the pictures on my Instagram. The blade is two and a half inches long. The handle is three and a half inches long. It's about six inches overall. And it's probably about 20 to 25 hours of work. And do you like to do this alone or do you do with uh, other people? Like, does your dad participate and help you out with this? Or is it just like your time, your thing? You just want to escape from reality? It's definitely, I've, I've actually had my family say, I've never had a desire to swing a hammer. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anyone. But the really cool thing about this hobby is that there are other smiths out there. And it's really, they really like getting people involved. The sto- I can tell you the story of how the first time I ever forged anything is shortly after saying that I would like to pursue the hobby of bladesmithing. We were at a Renaissance fair up in Idaho and there was a blacksmith there. His name's Harry Black. 
and he was really experienced. He, he looked like Santa Claus. I think he actually played Santa Claus around Christmas time. So big, big guy, big white beard, jolly. And he's out hammering away. And my dad walks up and he's like, hey, this is my son. He's wanting to learn more about blacksmithing and bladesmithing. And so this guy literally paused what he was doing. And he's like, step up into my booth and I'll show you how to forge a knife. And he literally sat there for an hour with me and he's like, here's how you manage the forge. Here's how you put the metal in to heat it up right. And here's how you hammer a basic blade shape. And that sort of introduction, I think really, if that hadn't happened, it probably never would have even started. Is it crazy that I think, I, in just in my imagination, I just imagined this guy dressed up in a Santa costume teaching you how to do the blade and how to create a blade. Just like Santa is just getting crafty. People have been stealing his cookies that night on Christmas Eve. He, so he's got to make, he's got to protect himself. Close. But instead <laughs> of the Santa costume, just imagine a stained leather apron and a button up shirt. Santa, Santa on his off day. Santa on his off day. He's, you know. <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't leave all the toy making to the elves. I bet you he made his own sleigh as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and talking about making things for practical use, what are your preferred objects you love to create? So like I said, anything practical, anything that has a purpose. I'll give you an example of one of the favorite things I've made. It's just a wall hook. It's just it has a hole for a screw to go into the wall and a little metal hook. And it takes me like 15 minutes to make one. But every time I make one, I think, you know, this is actually something someone could use. And in fact, the first one I made, we have nailed up in the pantry and my mom's aprons are hanging up there. That is so cool. So on that note, everything you make, do you make mostly for yourself or do you give it away or sell them? What is your method of after you create something, what do you do with them? So a lot of the things I make, if they're not like a tool that I need for a certain project, I'll either be making it because someone asked me to make something or just because I want to make something and eventually maybe sell it. But a lot of the things I end up making, I end up giving away. Like I've given away probably a dozen little key and these keychains. They're like little, you know what a Kuboton is, right? The little self-defense keychain. It's a little bit spiky metal. I have not heard of it, but uh, please go in detail with it for sure. So it's just a little metal spike about four inches long and you hold it in your hand and you can use it for self-defense. I didn't actually intend to make sort of self-defense keychain. It started out much shorter. I was just trying to make like a decorative pendant for a necklace. And I'm like, huh, that would be kind of interesting. And so I started making it and I ended up giving a ton away. Just people are like, that is so cool. I want one. It brings joy to me to be able to make something and then have it be a tangible thing that other people can have and appreciate. What is the oldest thing you've made that you still use? Is it still the first knife you made? Oh, this first knife I made is sitting in a, in a box somewhere. I have to think about that. <laughs> so probably the oldest thing I made that I still use is I actually made a little ball peen hammer out of a railroad spike. It's only about a foot long. You know, the the head itself only weighs like four ounces. So it's a tiny hammer. And what I use it for is when I'm putting the pins into my knife handles, you want to hit the ends with a ball peen hammer. And that sort of mushrooms out the ends of the rivets and makes it so that there's a tight fit and the pins don't ever come loose. I've, I've made that probably 2015. And it's still going strong. Yeah, I mean, and the original handle, I made the handle myself, and it's still like solid, sturdy, not even any wiggle. Actually, speaking of which, has it ever happened to you that you've completed a project, let's say a few years ago, and then you come back to improve it or modify it? Do you do any of that? I don't know if I've ever done that, but I have seen a lot of improvement as I've made knives. Like the first several knives I've made, 
weren't very good, weren't very interesting looking. Whereas now I've got this, these knives that I make and I'm really proud of them, how they've turned out. So I, I'd say one of the biggest benefits of having blacksmithing as a hobby, it's like a tangible, you can see the improvement, you know, you have one thing you made a couple of years ago and one thing you made today and you can see a huge difference in, um, in the quality. It's kind of, kind of like a literal timestamp of like, boom, this is my level on this day. Do you sign your creations or date them? So I used to, when I would make knives, I would etch a little maker's mark, but I don't have the tool right now to do that. And speaking about tools, what is in your, let's call it arsenal of equipment to create these masterpieces? So when you're a blacksmith, the, I'd say the four basic tools are you need a hammer, you need tongs, you need an anvil, and you need a forge. There's a ancient tradition that says that God must have given mankind the first pair of tongs because the only way to hold hot metal is with tongs. You can't hold it with your bare hands and you need that to shape anything else you make. So I started out my first pair of tongs were as actually vice grips, you know, locking channels or pliers. And that worked okay, especially for making something small like a knife blade. And I, I've gotten now to where I've made my own tongs and each tong is very spe special and specified, you know, you have a tong that's just for holding this certain shape and size of metal, and you have a different pair of tongs for doing a, di a different metal. And so a lot of the blacksmithing, the sort of the progression, and I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of like a video game almost. You, you start out and you can't make anything very well because all you have are very basic tools. But then as you spend some time and you make this tool that allows you to hold the metal better and this tool that allows you to hammer more accurately, you sort of level up and you get to the point where you have a tong for every single piece of metal you hold, different hammer for every single thing you're hammering on. And that's, I think that's really cool. That is pretty cool. I love like, it's like an actual leveling up aspect, like you said. And this might be a really tough question to ask, but what level are you currently at? In other words, like what would be the next step for you to move up? I'm pretty, uh, pretty much intermediate. So there are, there are like milestone skills, I'd say. Like you start out, you make your first basic blade and you make your first pair of tongs. Making tongs that actually are useful is pretty tricky, but once you get the hang of it, it's, you can replicate it pretty well. And then you could do things like forge welding, which I have not done forge welding yet successfully. And that's where you take two pieces of steel, you heat them up really hot and you hammer them together and they actually weld from the pressure and the heat and become one piece of metal. That's where people make the pattern welded stuff, you know, the Damascus blades. I'd say that if I was going to do that, I'd probably want to invest in bigger and better tools for sure. And you still have time. So you, there's no worries for that. Uh, I'm sure maybe you'll find it on the side of the street. Like, oh, wow, this perfectly conditioned tool that I exactly needed disappeared in the middle of the street. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you never know. You can go to antique stores. Like I went to uh, this place called Osteen's up in Greenville. And this man, he, he's like, he's one of the old, old people, like old world. He sells everything with cash. He has a big lot and he has like a 12 ton pile of coal in his front yard of his business in the parking lot. He just sells bags of coal to people and he has a bunch of old blacksmithing tools. And I remember I wanted a post vice, which is like a normal vice, but it has a post that goes down to the ground so you can hammer on it without destroying it. And he had one that was all bent, 
the post had gotten bent completely out of shape for some reason. And normally he would have sold it for 150, but I'm like, would you take a hundred for it if uh, I give you some free advertising? So, you know, there you go. I just put it in this podcast. <laughs> if you need cold, go to Osteen's. I fixed it up and having that tool and being able to find places like that is also an interesting facet of the hobby. It's, it's like things will just pop up. And what's the cool thing is that you also build on the community aspect by you just interacting with this guy and you make this deal, you do the advertisement for it and then he's like, cool. And then it just brings up the community and more people get interested in it. And yeah, it's a, it's a good circle. Yeah, that's the hope. I, re I really like how it connects people. Like I, there are tons of people I never would have met if I hadn't been into blacksmithing. Like me. <laughs> yeah. I don't do blacksmithing, but we met because of your passion for blacksmithing. And now still on the topic of blacksmithing, like we're going to talk about anything else. This is all about blacksmithing for you. Did you ever injure yourself while doing blacksmithing? Oh, yeah. So the, the first injury you're going to get when you start swinging a hammer is your right index finger the joint just between your first knuckle and the palm of your hands right there, you're going to get a blister within about three hours. And then the next injury you're going to get is you're going to get some tendonitis in your elbow. And that's probably after the first two days. And then it just kind of goes downhill from there until your body gets used to it. <laughs> so too many negatives turns into a positive at the end. Hopefully it took me a while. I, um, I never stopped burning myself. Like, Stuff, stuff is just going to fly out of your tongs and you hit it wrong with the hammer and it's just going to hit you in the face. And, you, you know, you got to wear safety glasses. You got to wear hearing protection. That's, those aren't optional. For some strange reason, I can just imagine you wearing the giant, like, you know, Iron Man, like his first, first suit. That's yeah. Suit. Like you make it yourself and then you wear it to make other stuff. Yeah, put on the face mask. I was I was seriously considered it for some operations. And yet, you know, if you're grinding on metal to get that respirator, Injuries are a name of the game, you know, it just, and you have to kind of be willing to go through a little bit of that. Like if you take your first blister, or your first burn, and that's just it, then you're not going to make it very far. Well, if you don't make it very far and you have scrap metal, you know, you can just send it over to Steven. I'm sure he would love to have it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say no. And with all the scrap metal, what is the smallest thing you've ever created? And what is the biggest thing you've ever created? So the smallest thing I ever made was my second knife. And the way I made that is I actually took a spring and unwound it. So the spring metal was only about an eighth of an inch and I hammered it flat. And so I had a blade that was about two inches long and about a quarter of an inch wide. And it honestly, it was awful. It looked like a little prison shank, but I, you know, it's, it was my second time making a knife and I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to have a little whittling knife. And the biggest thing, it depends on how you define biggest. I'd say the most difficult thing I've made is my blacksmith flatter. And I have a series on my YouTube channel of making that. But I made it out of solid inch and a half steel and hammering that took days. It was it was quite a project. But as far as like a overall project, I also made a bird feed bird feeder hanger. And that was about three feet long, about a foot tall, and it mounts to a wall and swivels out that I made for uh, one of our friends. So basically what people have to do now is pause this podcast and go straight to Steven's YouTube channel and watch that. Once you've done that, then come back to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you kind of learn something all along the way. And speaking about learning something, it must have been difficult at the beginning to figure out how everything worked and operate and how things just the flow of everything. So for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started blacksmithing? I'd say the biggest challenge is 
staying motivated to actually make something that feels worthwhile. Because the first time you pick up a hammer, you're going to end up that looks like a child's Play-Doh set. It's just smashed metal and everything's warped. And it, it can be it can be frustrating. I know when I started out, I I didn't have the foresight to buy new metal. So I was using railroad spikes to try to make everything. And I would I would spend hours drawing out the railroad spikes to make longer, thinner pieces of metal. And it wouldn't turn out. Like I would try I tried to make my first pair of tongs I tried to make pretty early on. It literally just broke. Like I tried riveting them, I tried bolting them, and they just and I it was really kind of depressing. I really didn't know what I was doing. Is there something that you could put onto the metal after it to just treat it to make sure it lasts longer? Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different options. Usually they use either beeswax. My favorite is boiled linseed oil or tongue oil. And you have it still hot. You, you ever season a cast iron pan? It's like that. You just put some oil on it and you heat it up and it leaves a blackened finish that is mostly waterproof and rustproof. And also every, everything else proof. Hopefully. <laughs> and so what is your current biggest challenge? It's still the same, actually. So the last three knives I attempted to make, I ended up making like a fatal mistake where there was no way to fix it. And so that kind of turned me off from making knives the past couple of months. But I, I do enjoy still making small projects. I think the trick is to not be too hard on yourself and just make it a hobby. Don't try to make it a, an income unless it just works out. But if you try too hard, you're going to get frustrated and give up. The only way you could technically make it an income if you actually made metal coins out of blacksmithing. Then it literally becomes income. Not a currency that might be accepted in every society or everywhere, but you know, you're making income in a sense. That's a horrible pun, horrible cheesy joke. But yes, if you do it for love, then it's going to be more enjoyable. That's for sure. And uh, speaking about love, what would you say is the best part about blacksmithing on a personal and an emotional level? I think the best part is for me that it, it sort of grounds me. You know, today we live such virtual lives and anything you make in a virtual world could be deleted tomorrow and there's no there's no way of getting it back and for me i have these things that i've made years ago and it's like this is going to be here years after i'm gone and it's like a way to connect with the tangible world and have a very satisfying thing that you just make it and once it's made you're done with it so yeah people you heard that steven said things online don't last forever like this podcast so you better binge listen to every single episode Take in all the knowledge, do all the hobbies, and then go do some blacksmithing because that will last a lot longer than this podcast. And that's for sure. And it's you can, something you can hold in your hand. You can't really hold a podcast in your hand unless, you know, you have a magical power to do so. Then if so, teach me. If not, uh, forget what I just said. And uh, for you, has blacksmithing ever stressed you out? Like one time, like something just didn't work and you're like, oh, I got to take a step back, do something else. Or you're more the type of, okay, you know what? It's not working. I'm going to keep working at it. Yeah. The stress usually comes when something breaks. And, you know, when you're heat treating a knife, it's kind of the make or break. Because if the angle is right, is just wrong or the temperature's off a little bit, when you're quenching your blade, the blade is going to warp or it's going to completely crack. And, you know, when you have something that you've put... 10 or 15 or 20 hours into and you realize it's just broken and there's no way to fix it it can be 
stressful and it can be like, is this even worth it? Once it breaks, do you ever try to just restart with that same piece of metal or do you just throw it away? Usually if it's like a knife blank, usually if it breaks, it's, it's just time to start over, you know? You're like, you know what? This is what I've done. Move on to the next one. Yeah. And now for a very tough question, but you know what? I think you're ready for this. What are some misconceptions about people who are interested in blacksmithing? I'd say people think blacksmiths are kind of these like reenactor people that, you know, want to live out in the woods in the log cabin and plow a cornfield with an ox. But the reality is that blacksmithing as a hobby is still really accessible as just a hobby. That's just, you don't have to invest in all the latest and greatest tools and equipment to become a blacksmith. It can be just sort of, uh, you know, you spend your weekends working at a software company or your weeks working at a software company and you spend your weekends hammering and people can still make great things doing that. Just make sure not to hammer at your software company. That might not work too well on the computer itself. Yeah. <laughs> and you're talking about you don't need all the latest tools to do stuff and because this is a profession and a hobby that's been ex ex that existed for many, many, many years. But this is another tough question. Is there a tool that doesn't exist but would make the blacksmithing process easier or more efficient or even safer? See, if, if I knew it was something that didn't exist, I would invent it. <laughs> but there is something really cool that does exist I could tell you about. Absolutely. Go ahead. So it's called an induction forge. What I'm personally using to heat up the metal, you have to heat it up to 1,500 to 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. What I'm using is coal and you just blow air through the coal and it heats up white hot and the metal heats up. But people have figured out how to run electromagnetic coil out of this really thick gauge copper. And you put the metal in there and turn on the current and it heats it up in like seconds and you have red hot metal. And that seemed really cool and futuristic to me. I think I saw that video. There's a video on YouTube where there's like a coil that kind of looks like a spring and they put a piece of like a metal or a magnet or something in there and it's rotating and then it just goes, bloop, turns into like complete liquid. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that is. So you're telling me not to stick my finger in there? I don't actually know what <laughs> happened. I think it I think it would be pretty safe as long as you don't have any metal implants. If you have a metal implant, that'd be bad. So don't put my braces if I have braces. So people who have braces, don't put your face in there. Yeah. That'd be like being in an MRI. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to get your braces off really quick, you know, that's that's a quick way. Also your teeth and your face. <laughs> all, all at once. <laughs> just don't do that. Kids, if you're listening, don't do that. I I don't know if I have to say that, but yeah, just just don't. And now back to blacksmithing in a safe way. What has it taught you in life? I'd say for me, the biggest lessons are have a plan and to have an end goal in mind. Some of the most interesting things I've made, I've started with a general idea of what I wanted to make and then it sort of changed from there. But for me, I like having a, an entire plan laid out. Like I know the exact materials I'm going to need before I start a project and I, I know what it's supposed to look like and what the steps are going to be. And being able to do that, being able to look at an end goal and being able to say, okay, here's the actual steps I have to take is a, a really great lesson. I could just picture that you actually picture the finished project in your head and you just run through it as you build it. But on that note, has it ever happened that during a project, you have everything laid out in your head and then you're at a certain point and you're like, wow, what if I try this instead? Like you just change it just to like improve it. Yeah. So with my Cubotan keychains, I started out just wanting to twist a bar of square stock and make a spiral pattern. 
I'm like, well, what if I put a point on the end? Well, what if I made it a little bit sharper? Or what if I changed the twist pattern? And I ended up with this beautiful looking keychain. And it was a sort of design process where you go, okay, so this first attempt took me 15 minutes and I don't really like how it looks. Let me change it up a little bit. And within the matter of a day, I'd come up with a completely new design that I was not intending to. And you're like, you know what? This is a masterpiece. I love it anyways. Yeah. But I bet you you love every single one of your creations, which is fantastic. Because at the end of the day, it's your own. You made it. And it's like, you know what? I put in the time and effort. It's worth it. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you love it. Sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I don't. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it's all, well, this is, this is a learning experience. This is something. It's not great. It's not bad. It's something. <laughs> and do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Yes. If you have the ability, find someone who already does it and see if they'll let you try it before you before you invest in anything. Some people, if they want to make a knife, they might not want to even uh, forge. They might, they might just want to do a material removal knife where they already start with a flat, thin piece of metal and just carve the metal with sandpaper and files. Or maybe they just want to try it. And then after they try it, they're like, well, I don't really enjoy that too much. But I have this now memento from that one day I spent. A lot of times, uh, Smiths, more experienced Smiths, will offer like a class for $75 or $100. And they're like, spend a day with me and I'll teach you the basics of forging this specific thing. And that, it sounds expensive at first. But when you think that a new anvil is going to cost you like $1,000... It really sounds like a better deal when you think about it that way. Yeah. yeah. So once again, it's that community aspect. Maybe there's people who live around your area that are listening to this podcast right now. Like, you know what? I'm going to get in contact with Steven. We'll, we'll create something cool and awesome together. Yeah. When I was in Idaho, just getting started, there was a Idaho Knife Association. And they had monthly hammer-ins where they would all get together and they would hammer a specific project. Like I remember one time a demonstration on how to make tomahawks. And another time it was just everyone got their anvils and forges together and everyone was just making knives. And that I learned way more doing that than just trial and error through YouTube and, and trying it myself. Still on the topic of creating stuff, is there something that's like on the top of your list that you really want to create but just haven't had the chance to create yet? I've always wanted to make like a battle tomahawk or a throwing tomahawk. There's something about having a nicely formed little miniature axe. I think it's just really cool. So we've asked this question. I say we, but I mean, I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links or websites or projects or anything like that that you would love to share? Yeah. My Instagram again is T-R-E period A-S-A-Y. And my YouTube is Stephen AC. I'm also starting Twitch streaming, which is T-R-E A-S-A-Y games. And I'm, I'm starting to do playthroughs of video games as another one of my hobbies. But just check out my YouTube and my, and my Instagram. I'll keep updated as I make new interesting projects. And I'd, I really appreciate being on the show. Perfect. I'll put that in the description below so people can come check it out, show some love, show some support, and see some of your awesome, awesome creations. I had to take a look while we're talking, and it is dope. It looks good, man. I'm, very, I'm really Thank impressed. You. Uh, it also reminds me not to piss you off because I don't know how many of these are you hiding. So like, okay, yeah, just be on your good side. So this is why I have you here. We're, we're having a good conversation. We're, we're friends, right? <laughs> yeah. But no, it really does look cool. And man, I love, uh, there's one that's like really black and it's, 
Sorry, is it okay if I drool a little bit or no? <laughs> sure. And uh, if you need a, a like a thumbnail for this podcast episode, let me know. Well, what I tend to do is throughout the week before I post the episode is I showcase your hobby. So for about five days, I just post a bunch of your pictures. So once that comes out, or right before that comes out, we'll do that. So the last question is the one that no one wants to hear, but I want to ask anyways, because I'm always curious and I always like to make myself look like a fool. Do you have any questions for me about blacksmithing? If there was something you would want to make, what would it be? So I think we talked about this during our email and I think I would, cause I'm really into podcasting. I would love to make like a really cool looking mic stand. Like a cross steampunk rustic. Yeah. Yeah. Like a tripod or a swing arm, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a swing arm, but it's like, it was like, have like very unique shapes. Hopefully it doesn't cut me and I don't have to get a tetanus shot for my, my own <laughs> podcast. But yeah, I think that'd be probably like the first thing I'd do. If I know it's very complicated to do, but if it had to be simpler, maybe, okay, uh, what, what is a very simple thing to do? What, what is like the first thing that most people do? Like a, a keychain ring or a leaf, something like that. I will make a keychain leaf. <laughs> there we go. It's a compromise of both. All right. I'll, uh, I'll have you over sometime if you're ever traveling through South Carolina. Perfect. We'll put that in the memo. I'll have my secretary schedule that. I have no secretary, so I'm just looking at the wall, asking my non-existent secretary to book that. But yeah, if I am ever in the area, I will definitely contact you and then we'll, you'll show me some of the cool things you've created. All right. So uh, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on and just explaining so much about, about, about blacksmithing. See, that was a tongue twister right there. And it was very enjoyable. And you guys got to go check out his Instagram. It's really cool creations. It's majestic, if that's the appropriate word to use. You know what? Yes, it is. It is. That is the appropriate word to use. It is majestic creations. So uh, once again, thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. If you guys want to learn more about Steven, you should go check him out in the description below. I'll put all the links there. Show him some love. Show him some support. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, you know, you can leave a review. I will accept it. You don't need my permission to do that. You can leave good reviews, bad reviews, neutral reviews, 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 whatever kind of reviews. It's all up to you. If you want to show more support, I also have merchandise sold on Redbubble and I also have a Patreon. If you're interested in contributing in that to help support the podcast, well, I cannot speak today. Anyways, all those are there and I just have to say thank you once again, Stephen. I am glad to be here. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>